We're thankful once again to visit with United States Congressman Mike Bost. Congressman, thanks for the time. Will, thank you for having me on. I appreciate the time being with you. I always ask whether I find you in Washington or uh, somewhere in southern Illinois. Well, today I'm in Washington. We're dealing with a, a lot of issues. We've uh, uh, dealt with the fact that uh, we're trying to move forward with the toxic exposure uh, issue. Uh, we were actually thinking we were going to move it this week. Uh, then all of a sudden it came over. And, you know, even with this job, you end up learning new things now and again. And I had never knew the term blue slip. But I know the term blue slip now because what happened is when the bill came over and though the cost is pretty high, the benefits for our veterans is amazing. And so I'm ready to, uh, in my position as a VA ranking member, uh, be, be trying to encourage our members to support the legislation. And what you're talking about are some of these folks at Desert Storm that were exposed to these open burn pits. Well, not, they're not only burn pits, but but what we've got is is, is all post nine eleven veterans that were exposed to burn pits and other toxins. You know that's that that's part of war. That is, I mean, if you look back at the First World War, the toxins were exposed to were all of the gases that are now declared illegal under the Geneva Convention. You get into uh, the Second World War, there was exposures and things like that to radiation and that different things like that in Korea. After Korea and during Korea and Vietnam, you had the Agent Orange uh, and all of those issues. So, so we, we, we refer to it as toxic exposures because now, post 9-11, we were referring to it as burn pits. And as, as we're moving forward with that language, is to make sure that we provide for these people who are exposed and it can show that they are exposed, but then also um, know that we're dealing with the fact that uh, what's the long-term effects on them, on their families, uh, and, and everything like that. Speaking of the military, I know there's been an issue at Scott Air Force Base with the uh, airlift wing there, yes. and uh, you and uh, Rodney Davis have been fighting to try to keep that up and running. Yeah, and, and that's vitally important. What a lot of people don't understand is the C-40Cs at Scott Air Force Base are what we use um, to transport our elected officials and our high-ranking military officials around the world. And a lot of people don't realize that those are based out of Scott Air Force Base. But there's been a move from the Pentagon to try to move that to Andrews. And, and the problem is people here in D.C. think that Andrews is where everybody flies out of. And that's not the case. They, they fly out from all over the world. And Scott is the most central location and the best to keep the staffing. Because what we have there is many of those staff that fly those are reserve staffers. They may fly for Delta and American and Southwest and all of that. So the pilots do that. And many of them that then also are the, the, the flight attendants. So the people that work the, the, the flight itself are also flight attendants for those companies and they're, but they're reserved. So what happens is, is when all of a sudden someone that's a, uh, okay, let's say the, the head of the joint chiefs of staff, uh, wants to move from point A to point B, then they call the C C forty Cs to set that up to make those moves, and they have to bring a crew in and do that. Those are all based out of Scott. What we did was we made sure because we were hearing rumors that they were trying to pull it from Scott. We basically 
nature in law that that mission is based out of Scott. And not only that, we also then added in because those C-40Cs were needing the newest radar and or uh, navigational equipment installed in them. And we made that investment as well. So, so that way we make sure that we keep that mission at Scott. So I wanted to also ask you about the fact that the 28th, uh, less than a week from now, is the primary election. Uh, there's a lot going on, particularly in the uh, Rodney Davis and Mary Miller race. Yeah. And of course, you know, you've endorsed uh, Rodney Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that election and, and how bitter it's become? I think, I think Rodney will end up winning that election. Um, let me tell you that early on, uh, the president, the former President Trump did endorse um, uh, Mary Miller. Uh, I think that was because of some kind of different pressures that just you got to know the inside politics of that it was kind of a weak endorsement uh he is coming to the district uh my understanding is he'll be there saturday in the quincy area in adams county uh and and but he's not only stumping for mary miller there he's stumping for a person running for governor over in the Missouri and a couple people running for congress in Missouri. um and and but uh i i believe rodney davis is going to win that rodney's got years and years of experience and is very very uh, qualified. I think it's wild that if you if you look back, you know, just a few days ago, uh, on on even on Fox News, Jim Jordan was talking about what a great job Rodney's doing, uh, and and was talking about uh, how he's moving in his committee of oversight and other things that he does, and 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 his years of experience. So, I, like I said, Rodney's got. A majority of endorsements of uh, Rodney, Rodney, even though Mary Miller is actually a, come from a farm family, Rodney got the uh, uh, Farm Bureau's endorsement uh, and several other endorsements like that that are vital to the area. So a lot of people know and understand how important it is to keep Rodney out of there. Uh, you mentioned earlier some parliamentary things with the Senate that were affecting the uh, uh, burn toxic exposure bill. Of course, the big news within the last couple of days was a bipartisan Senate bill uh, regarding the uh, Second Amendment and, and access to firearms. Uh, right. w- w- what is your take on what's going to happen with that bill when it comes to the House? That, that bill will get enough Democrat votes to pass. There may be a few Republicans voting for it. I will not vote for it. I think it's an overreach, and I think it's a violation of the Second Amendment on some of the things they're doing. I think that it's too intrusive. Uh, we have another bill that actually deals with the real issue, which is school safety and mental health, uh, which I will be supporting. Uh, but I am not supporting this uh, this procedure uh, coming over from the Senate because, like I said, it isn't dealing with the real problem. It deals with what the left wants, but it doesn't deal with what the real problem is. So that's also the reason why that I actually signed on with about three other bills. One is the Police Officers Protection Child uh, Act, which would allow off-duty retired law enforcement officers uh, to conceal carry in school zones uh, and, and be able to be there present for the school day to, to, to help uh, in what they are trained to do. It also, another bill that's out there is Secure Our Students Act, which allows schools to use uh, the American Rescue Plan funds to address their school safety issues. And then the, the Stop 2 uh, bill, the bill that says stop, is Stop 2 
which is the Secure uh, uh, Every School and Protect Our Nation's Children Act, which builds on in the work we already did with school grant safety programs, which many of our schools have already received uh, over the years since we passed that bill about three years ago. So, yeah, I, I just I, I think it's the, the, the bill coming over from the Senate. Uh, is is a is a messaging bill, but but I think it's very dangerous if it becomes law. In the fact that it takes away some some individual rights and freedoms of people uh, that that aren't doing anything wrong. I want to have you sort of become the talk show host for a minute, if you'll allow me to put you in such a spot. But uh, there is a news story just sent out from Politico a few moments ago, and the headline is. Uh, the Democratic governors who could run in 2024 if Biden doesn't. And the lead photo with the story is a photo of uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker. Um, this seems to be uh, kind of picking up steam. Uh, what do you hear about it? Well, let me tell you that I have to believe no matter who uh, the Democrats put up, this is, a, this is a case where they're trying to figure out who is on their farm team because there's no one on their farm team right now. If you look at, uh, we have a, a president that people question his ability to even be president. Uh, everything that he has had, everything he's tried to do has become a crisis. But yet nobody on the Democrat side continues to speak out that they need to change where the direction they're heading. Um, and so if you, you, you know, everybody knows that even in the primary she ran in that, that the vice president is not up to the task. Uh, and then you, you look around. So now I guess this is their desperate plea to grab for any Democrat governor. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I think that I sure don't want Prixler to tries to run the state of Illinois and is failing at that miserably. Why we would think we'd give him the reign and, and the most powerful position in the world. That makes no sense to me, or and I, I hope that voters would realize that. So you see him in a desperate viral down. Their ideas are wrong. Uh, they, they, are, they are causing one catastrophe after another, whether it's at the border, whether it's with the economy, whether it is with fuel prices, uh, whether it's with our relations with our allies or our enemies um it, it, it is one mess up after another and and they don't have anyone who is rising to the top and, and remember on the republican side you, you've got several you've got you've got governors you've got senators you've got uh, others who are doing great with how they're managing their states how they're involved and what they are understanding as far as policy is concerned. Um, and, and so it, it, it's a desperate plea on Democrats' part. But what they think is, is the people just don't understand when the reality is they just don't understand that their policies are wrong. And no one has come to the reality that they're being able to say it on the Democrat side of the aisle and going, no, we've headed in such wrong direction that we're going to be not only in the minority in the House and the Senate, we are going to lose total power and total control because nobody believes in our ideas except the most radical left. And I don't know what they can do to save that. 
United States Congressman Mike Bost with us today. Won't keep you much longer, but it's expected that there'll be additional rulings from the Supreme Court today, one of which could be the overturning of Roe versus Wade, assuming that that uh, draft ruling that was leaked is substantially the ruling that is actually brought forth by the Supreme Court. Do you expect that there's going to be legislation at the federal level introduced immediately by the Democrats to try to essentially codify Roe into uh, law in some other way? Yes, I do believe that they're going to try to do that. And everybody on this call already knows that I'm extremely pro-life, have been all my life. Uh, and I will stand for, uh, I will stand for that belief. And, and if, if I get thrown out of office for standing for that belief, I don't know a better way to be sacrificed on that altar. But let me tell you that what I do believe will happen is, is this will happen to go back to the states the way it should. And then the the problem is you've got the state of Illinois. When we start dealing with our voters and our voter constituents, we need to send some clear messages to, to make the state of Illinois change. And let me let me tell you for the people that and, and I don't know how many of your listeners, but I, I know most of your listeners are are pro, as pro-life as I am. But let me tell you for those that are kind of questioning are, are there pro-choice, but 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 not radical pro-choice. Um, let me explain to you this, the problems that we're going to see with the state of Illinois. Uh, and, and in answer to your question, Will, first off, yes, you're going to see that stuff. But the question, and, and you're going to see Republicans vote against anything they try to push forward, and Democrats are going to vote for it because there's no, there's only one pro-life Democrat left uh, in in Congress now. He barely made it through a, a, a primary election the other day. But um, when we start talking to the state of Illinois. Understand, if you look at the states around us, are very, very, very pro-life. The state of Illinois is not only pro-choice, it is very radically pro-choice, and it actually uses taxpayer dollars to fund abortion. And so here's the question you need to ask the taxpayers at the coffee shop, beauty shops, barber shops, and every place else that you're talking. Do you think it's right that we in the state of Illinois, those of us who are pro life should have our tax dollars to be used to not only support abortions from people in our state but what we're going to have is we're going to have we're going to be the one island in the middle of the united states where people seeking abortions will come to our state and the taxpayers will pay for it i hope whoever the governor is and whoever and i hope the republican win it but i hope that governor then realizes that we don't want our tax dollars paying not only for our state uh, in paying for abortion, but we don't want them paying for every abortion around every other state that happens to come to the one abortion mecca, which is the state of Illinois. Well, we've come a long way from Bill Clinton and uh, Paul Simon in 1992 saying that it ought to be safe, legal and rare. Now it's supposed to be, you know, paid for and celebrated. And I think that there are a lot of people on that, you know, are traditional union Democrats that don't support just sort of the far left sort of staking out of a position that has been staked out in states like Illinois on abortion. It's just I I agree totally. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand. Um, I try to, you know, I, I believe life begins at conception. I always have. 
Um, and, and so therefore that's why I'm, I, I don't support abortion anyway, but for those people that, that, that say, well, but what about this case? What about that case? And everything like that. We aren't talking about that. We're the people in, in, in the, our legislators in Illinois, I believe that you should be able to abort that child or kill that child up until the time that it comes out of the womb. And sometimes I think they even want to go after that, you know, and, 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 and I don't understand that. That is so foreign to my thought of my spirit and of my mind that I don't even understand how they can think that radical. Um, and, and, but, but we're, we're, that's where Illinois is. Uh, Congressman boss, last question before we let you go today. Uh, it seems like the, conflict in Ukraine, the war in Ukraine has faded somewhat from the headlines. Uh, what can you tell us about, you know, your position? Has it evolved any since the beginning of this uh, conflict in terms of continuing to send funding and weapons to uh, the forces in Ukraine? Now, we understand that we have sent those fundings and, and have given that support. Um, as, as I've said on your show and many other shows, one thing we did prove is that uh, Russia is not the fighting force that we calculated them to be. Now, the difference is, is they do have nuclear weapons. Um, but we have to support our friends in Ukraine. And the reason why we have to support our people in Ukraine is this place, you know, remember where this is at. The United States in the Second World War, when certain countries in Europe were under attack, we sat by until we were drug into a war. I believe that early prevention of a world war is vitally important. Um, and I believe that's what we're seeing in Ukraine is we have to show a clear statement of, of not allowing Russia to go through this process and also sending a clear message to China. Uh, because if we don't send the correct message, we will see China go after Taiwan and then you will see um, uh, possibly this develop into what we had in the Second World War and how it came to fruition. You've got to remember history or history will repeat itself. And so we've got to keep an eye on it. Uh, we've got to still let Ukraine do what Ukraine's got to do because of our rules with NATO uh, and, and, and all of that. But um, I, I wish them well. I spent a long time praying for them. Congressman Mike Bost, our guest today. Thank you so much. Hope you have a great day. All right. Thank you, Will. Appreciate it.